thank you for tuning in to Voice of Hope, a broadcast ministry by the United Christian Church, Rockville, Maryland. We hope you are blessed by the sermon you are about to hear. 1 Samuel chapter 18. 1 Samuel chapter 18. And it came to pass when he had made an end of speaking unto Saul, that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would not let him go no more home to his father's house. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was upon him and gave it to David and his garments, even to his sword and to his bow and to his girdle. And David went out whithersoever Saul sent him and behaved himself wisely. And Saul set him over the men of war, and he was accepted in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. And it came to pass, as they came, when David was returned from the slaughter of the Philistine, that the women came out of all cities of Israel, singing and dancing to meet King Saul. He hath more but the kingdom. And Saul eyed David from that day and forward. And it came to pass on the morrow that the evil spirit from God came upon Saul and he prophesied in the midst of the house. And David played with his hand, you know, the half that is, as at other times, and there was a javelin in Saul's hand. And Saul cast the javelin, for he said, I will smite David even to the wall with it. And David avoided out of his presence twice. And Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him and was departed from Saul. Therefore Saul removed him from him and made him his captain over a thousand. And he went out and came in before the people. And David behaved himself wisely all his ways. And the Lord was with him. Wherefore when Saul saw that he behaved himself very wisely, he was afraid of him. The word of the Lord. For a brief moment, I want us to consider the subject, the price or the cost of popularity. How many of you want to be popular? How many of you want to be famous? You don't want your name to be called out there. You don't want to be on television. Uh, you don't want to be a millionaire or a billionaire. So that everybody will say, hey, look at him. He's a multi-billionaire. And when you are coming, everybody is jumping. And all. You don't want to do that? Oh, okay. I think some of, you, some of you have been watching TV a lot. Huh? And you know what happens huh? when you are in the limelight. You become the target and object of everybody. How many of you want to be popular for the Lord? You can be great for the Lord without necessarily being on television, being on radio, or standing here preaching. The Lord can make you popular. Hallelujah. But my brothers and my sisters, being popular or being famous even for the Lord comes with a price. There's a cost to that. 
David's victory over Goliath and the Philistines ushered his life into a new realm altogether. And sometimes one incident in your life can either propel you to be in some kind of a leadership position or things can change completely and every eye will be on you. Hallelujah. Prior to the killing of Goliath, David was virtually unknown. Even though he had gone to Saul's palace in and out, he was not noticed until God gave him victory over Goliath and the Philistines. Then he came to the king's attention. Sometimes, you know, you, you, you're around and it looks like nobody is even noticing you and you're going up and down, you know, because, quote, unquote, uh, you are not offering anything or you haven't done anything, uh, so to speak, until one day God decided, okay, he's going to put you in a certain position. And all of a sudden, everybody will be looking for you. You become a millionaire today and see how many friends that you don't remember who will be looking for you and say, oh, Organ, you don't remember? And when we were in Cameroon, I, you know, I used to be the one who used to sit next to you when you were in the class. They would come from all over. They would call you from everywhere because now you are quote unquote somebody. David prior to this time was just a little shepherd boy, son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite. That was who he was, the servant of the Most High God, and the one who did his father's bidding. Hallelujah. And sometimes when you are down and out, and you have nothing, no one notices you. But as soon as God brings you into something, even the devil will notice you and want to torment your life. Hallelujah. How many of you remember Mr. T? With all the chains and all of that. How many of you also know that he was a believer? Mr. T loved the Lord. Amen. But prior to Mr. T becoming Mr. T, Mr. T was just a bodyguard of some of these quote-unquote celebrities. Nobody noticed him. And I remember one day he was on television. They were interviewing him, and, and, and they were, he was talking about what the Lord has done for him and all. And he said, now... Everybody wants to take him to lunch. And he said, you know, I don't want to go to any lunch. Now I can afford my own lunch. So when I couldn't afford it, nobody invited me. Nobody wanted me to go to lunch. And that is how life is. Eh? That's how life appears to be. You know, now that he was in the position to buy his own lunch, everybody, hi, Mr. T. Do you want to come for tea? Hallelujah. David came to Saul's attention. And the interesting thing is that when he came to Saul's attention, as we read from our scripture, Saul did not want David to go back to his own father's home. He said, David, you know, now that you have removed this reproach from me, I'm going to keep you. Hallelujah. But I think Saul also saw something in David. Saul knew that the hand of the Lord was on David. And so he said, no, I'm not going to let you go. I want you to stay in my house. And when he finished talking to him, his son got really close to him. So I realized that David had some value, that there was some value in David, that God blessed him and has used him 
to remove his reproach and shame. You remember when the Philistines were touting the Israelites? And Saul, who was a stately man, strong, and all, was hiding in the palace because he was afraid of Goliath. Why? Because the spirit, God had taken away the Holy Spirit from him because of disobedience. And Goliath was standing there just speaking on top of his voice, loud, deep voice, and, you know, just, you know, uh, talking to the Israelites like they were nothing. And God used David, a shepherd boy, to bring Goliath to his feet. And God used him to cut off his head to defeat the Philistines. So Saul said, uh-uh, now that I got my hands on you, <laughs> I won't let you go. He saw a young man possessed an incomprehensible courage. A young man who was under the control and power of the Holy Spirit. A young man who was fearless. A young man who could just stand up even against, you know, all the enemies. He saw a courageous young man. My friend, your age should not deter you from standing up for the Lord. I don't care how young you are, whether you call yourself youth or young adult. It doesn't make any difference. What matters is if you know the Lord and you want to take a stand for the Lord. He saw something in this young man. He realized that this was a young man that he could use to defeat his enemies. The Spirit of God had departed from Saul himself. If you experience the Spirit of God and, you know, there is some distance, you will know. Or if you see somebody who has the Spirit of God, you will know. Your Spirit will minister that to you. Hallelujah! That Spirit-directed individual could be a great asset to Israel. Please, my friend, be Spirit-directed. Okay? Be Spirit-directed. Allow the Holy Spirit to guide you. Allow the Holy Spirit to lead you. Allow the Word of God to guide your feet and to become a lamp onto your pathway. My friends, people will come close to you when they know they can use you. When they know they can squeeze something out of you, they will come very close to you. When they know that they can get something from you. When they know that they can use you. Or sometimes when they feel that they are superior to you, they can come close to you. When David and Jonathan met, they became very close friends. Their friendship was one of a kind. A friendship of the deepest kind. And it is probably the closest friendship, relationship recorded in the whole Bible, probably in human history altogether. It's always good to have someone you can call your best friend. I just lost mine. I just lost my best friend. But their friendship was based on commitment to God. Their friendship was based on commitment to God, first of all. Not just on each other. 
Like, you know, people say love at first sight. It better be love because of God's sight. Whenever I'm counseling people, I always tell them that they should look at the relationship like an isosceles triangle. Picture the relationship as an isosceles triangle. You are here. She is here. God is at the pinnacle. Jesus is at the pinnacle. And notice what is happening. The closer you get to God, this is the triangle. The closer you are trying to get to God, God is here. You are getting to God and she is getting to God. What happens? The gap between you and your prospective bride or spouse gets what? Gets closer. In other words, the closer you get to God, the closer both of you can get together. Do 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 you see what I'm saying? The closer you get to each other. And so in any relationship, whether it's just friendship or not, it must be based on a relationship with God. In other words, even if you are husband and wife, you must have a time of your own private fellowship with God. And then the two of you can come together later and have your what? Uh, Relationship or private fellowship together. It's extremely important that you build a one-on-one relationship with the Lord. Jonathan and David's relationship was based on their commitment individually to God. And when they saw each other, I believe they perceived the Spirit of God in each other. They did not let anything come between them. You know, I'm doing some marriage counseling here today. They did not allow anything to come between them. Not even their career or any family issues. You know, sometimes we get so busy, even when we are developing friendships. Oh, man, I got to go to work, man. You, you know, we work how many you know, hours a day, and we, get, we work seven days you know, a week, and, all, and we don't have any time to build a relationship. How do you expect the relationship to grow or to develop? It's, you build it with the Lord, and you build it with each other. Are you with me? They even got much closer when their friendship was tested. If you have a real friend, you know, and your friendship is tested, you know, you are able to prove that, you know, you are a true friend. Look, I used to do, please forgive me, I used to do this with some of my friends when we were growing up, we were children, right? And everybody had a good body, body, and all of that. You know, and some of us were a little bit mischievous, I must admit. And we came up with the idea that when I see your friend coming, we let you hide under the table. And then we start talking now. Start talking about your friend. You have been listening to Voice of Hope. To support our ministry, text GIVE to 240-493-8490. God bless you for giving. And say all kinds of things. And then you say, if you, if, you, if you are not a true friend, you start saying things, and then a friend will come back and say, hey, my friend, so this is what you think of me. No, it, it's not a good thing to do. I was, I was a child. I've already asked for forgiveness. And we used to do foolish things like that. You know, because let me tell you, if you have a real friend, nobody can go to your friend and say anything about you, no matter how good or bad. If you dare go to try to say something about you, she will eat you raw. One time I remember a cousin of mine, I saw me, you know, I, I used to drive this green uh, Volvo. 
And so a cousin of mine saw me with a lady on my front seat and then called, you know, Grace and said, well, you know, uh, somebody said, you know, some Nigeria friend of first said that they saw uh, this woman sitting in the front of the car. I said, which car? I said, the green Volvo. He said, he said, okay, let me tell you something. This is my close cousin. He said, don't you dare call me ever again. Say anything about my husband. Because my husband is a grown man. He's a pastor. Anybody can write in his car. And then turn around and told my cousin, so by the way, the woman that you were describing, that you saw in the car and all of that was me. You couldn't come between Jonathan and David. You couldn't come between them. They were that close. Not even Jonathan's father saw could come between the two of them. If you have your friend and you love your friend, please be honest and straightforward with your friend. By the way, the Bible encourages us as believers that if somebody, you know, offends somebody or you offend somebody, it's better for you to go to that brother or that sister and talk to him or talk to her. Are you with me? Point four about their relationship. They remain friends to the end. Jonathan, we know, was the prince or the crown prince of Israel. He was the one who was supposed to take over after Saul, right? But we know that the Lord has already removed that position from Saul. Huh? And that he wasn't going to be uh, the next king. You know who was going to be the next king? David. We all know that. If you go to 1 Samuel chapter 23, verse 17, I believe that Jonathan was very much aware of this. That did not weaken their friendship. Jonathan would much rather lose the throne of Israel than lose his best friend David. He'd rather lose the throne than to lose his friend David. Oh, that we could have friends like that. can stick with us through thick and thin. You know, I long for the day when we can love one another to that extent. That when you say that you have a headache, my head will start hurting instantly because that is how much I feel for you. That is the kind of love that God wants among believers. Hallelujah. To care for one another. And you know, to just seal his love. I've always said, and I think about two weeks ago, even in Bible studies, I said that love must be practical. Love must be what? Demonstrated. I can't just tell you that I love you. <laughs> I love you. And then I said, I love you. And that's it. I said, no, that's it. Everybody can say it. But there comes a time when you must show in practical ways, in tangible ways, that you love that brother or that sister, especially when that brother or sister is in a straitjacket. And that brother or sister needs your presence, your help, your prayers, and all that. I'm not talking about, you know, money or material things all the time. Sometimes you can just go and sit with that person and let the person know that, brother or sister, I'm praying for you. I'm with you. I'm with you, brother. I'm praying for you. And if that brother or sister needs something tangible, even if you don't have it, could you find a way to see if you can help that brother or sister? Love must be practical and demonstrated. Hallelujah. Now, if we don't know, if you are too proud and, and, and you, you have a need and you just don't want to tell anybody, it's on you. But if you come to me, I'm telling you, even if I have to sell my jacket, and I mean it, those of you who really know me, if I have to sell my jacket, 
to make sure that that uh, need is met. I will. But if I don't know, it's on you. Are you with me? So to demonstrate his love for David, what did Jonathan do? Jonathan took off his robe. You know, the, the King James Version said that he stripped his garments and everything. And, you know, he didn't strip naked, you know, uh, as you may think. But he took off his, his, his armor, his sword, and everything and handed it over to him as if to tell him that, David, I am aware that you are the next king. I am aware that you are going to be my boss. David, I am aware. He gave all of that to, you know. And David had, uh, hitherto, David was only used to run a string shot, a catapult. And that's all David, you know, knew. I have one in my closet. Just in case somebody tried to attack me, just go and do it. I don't have any need to use that. That's all I have. I don't have any weapon but the catapult of David. But he took off all this and gave it to, you know, uh, his friend, Jonathan to demonstrate to him and say, hey, my friend, I'm sealing my love with you. This is to show you that I love you, man. Take my tunic and take my sword and take my bow and take my belt or my girdle. You know, this is to demonstrate to you that I love you. They were spiritually connected. They were spiritually connected. And that is what I'm praying for, that the Lord will connect all of us spiritually. Because once we get spiritually connected here at home, people will see that we love one another. That was Jesus' prayer for the disciples, that men will know when they see that you have love for one another, that you have walked with me. That is my desire and my prayer for this congregation, that the Lord will bind us together with cause that cannot be broken, with his love to the extent that when people see us, ah, there goes the United Christian Church people. I'm not saying that we are going to act crazy or do anything stupid. As the scripture tells us, David always acted what? Wisely. God's wisdom. But the love for each other was there. So that people will see that we walk with the Lord. Hallelujah. When you go to Romans 8, Verse 16, we are reminded that the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. We are the children of God. The Bible, the Spirit of God, you know, bears witness, hallelujah, that we are all the children of God. Oh, that the Lord will give us that same spiritual connectivity like David and Jonathan. Hallelujah. That is my desire, my prayer for all of us as a church, as a congregation. Now, spiritually speaking, David and Saul were direct opposites. Spiritually speaking, they were direct opposites. While David was under the control of the Holy Spirit, Saul, on the other hand, was a carnal-minded Man, the Holy Spirit had been removed from him, and so he was carnal minded. Let's look at verse 5. Verse 5 says, David went out with us wherever Saul sent him and behaved himself wisely. And Saul set him over the men of war 
and he was accepted in the sight of all the people, and also in the sight of Saul's servants. Whatever Saul wanted David to do, David did not argue. He did not tell Saul, Saul, well, after all, you know, the throne has been taken from you anyway. You know, he didn't do anything. He didn't demonstrate anything of that sort. But whatever he told him to do, he did. Hallelujah. Basically, that meant he sent him to fight a lot. And, and it's even assumed that he loved David and trusted David to the point where initially he was probably part of his immediate, you know, secret service people, you know, one of them, like a bodyguard. Later on, you see that he removed him from that situation when he really got really uh, jealous of him. David had no personal ambition. It wasn't like, hey, I'm hanging here, I'm trying to get close to this man so that I can stage a coup d'etat and take over. He had no personal ambition. And he tried to do whatever you know, uh, he asked him to do so that God will be honored. Hallelujah. Sometimes you, know, you may be in a job, or you may be in a situation, or you may be under somebody, and then you feel like you've been passed over many times, you've been overlooked several times. Whenever promotion comes, you know, they bring someone and say, oh, well, you know, so and so, just, you know, can you teach this person how to do this and how to do And before you know, that person is your boss. And, and, and you know, so you, you get a little bit uh, antsy and all of that. But just hang in there. Hallelujah. Hang in there. God's time is always the best. David had no personal ambition but to honor the Lord. God had, has had his anointing on David, and his favor was all over him. So he became very popular with people. My friend, when you really, truly know the Lord, then grow popular very quickly. Not the kind of popularity that you see out there, amen? Not that kind of popularity. But people know that they can count on you. People know that when a situation comes up, they can call upon you. Hallelujah. Because they know that you are connected to God, and when they call you, you are going to connect them to God. Hallelujah. When your friends have issues and they know that you are a strong believer, you love the Lord, they say, why don't you talk to Mary? You know? And you say, Mary, where is Sister Mary? God bless. Okay, let's pray. Let me connect you to God. And that is one of the things that we need to learn to do very quickly. Amen? We need to do everything. We connect everything uh, to God. So my brothers and my sisters, David, being an anointed young man, had no personal ambition. Uh, he just wanted to bless the Lord. He became very popular. And because of David's faithfulness, he had been so faithful in taking care of his father's sheep, a task that not even a servant, you know, sometimes wants to do. But David, as a son of the household, took care of his father's sheep. And by doing so, God taught him a lot of things. How to handle sheep. You know, sheep are very difficult to handle. They are very wayward. And in all of that, you know, look at what God was trying to do to teach him how he will eventually become the under-shepherd of Israel 
and how, you know, to handle this wayward people just like sheep. The Bible says all we like sheep have, have gone astray. Sheep are very stupid. You know, when you want to, yes, when the car is coming. No, goats are a little smarter than sheep. I mean, no, seriously, goats are a little smarter than sheep. When a sheep, yeah, goat will just, they have a way of breaking. When they see the car coming, they, they'll put on their brake. The sheep will just keep going. You know, and so God was teaching David something that will become very important. When you are faithful to the little that God gives to you, God then can give you more responsibilities because he can trust you with more. But if he gives you something little to do and you cannot be faithful to that, how do you expect him to give you more? David had been a shepherd. David had been in the wilderness. David had depended on the Lord again and again and again in difficult moments. And as a result, David had grown very close to the Lord. To learn to be faithful in little things, God will honor you by giving you more responsibility. This was David's experience. But it did not give him an inflated, you know, David did not have an inflated view of himself. He still remained very humble. If you were in a position you knew that God's anointing was on you. You know, so, sometimes some people just mess with God's anointing. You know, God gives them a gift. And then they start doing some foolish things until God takes it away. The anointing can be taken away. I said the anointing can be taken away. If you mess with it, Saul's anointing was taken away because Saul was disobedient to God. We have to obey God and we have to stay under the leadership of God and allow him to teach us and allow him to guide us and allow him to direct us in all that we do. David did not have an inflated ego about himself, about his own importance. It did not go to his head you know, because of uh, the abilities and the gifts that God has given him. He remained humble and faithful. Now, when the victorious Israelite army, led by Captain or Commander David, became victorious when they defeated the Philistines, they heard, they heard what happened. They knew that it wasn't Saul who killed Goliath. They knew that Saul was probably hiding somewhere in the what? In the palace. And so they started singing. And these were the words. Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his ten thousands. And they were dancing in the street and singing. Saul has killed his thousands, and David has killed his ten thousands. And they were jumping and dancing in the street and all of that, you know? They were just there, jumping and dancing with a lot of joy. They kept singing. And the word got to, the word got to Saul. The Bible says, and it came to pass as they came, when David 
was returned from the slaughter of the Philistine. That the women came out of all cities of Israel, singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tabrets, with joy, and with instruments of music. And the women answered one another as they played and said, Saul hath slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands. And verse 8 says, And Saul was very rough. But any time, we've got to be very, very careful when we are giving praise. And when anybody is praising you, you've got to be very careful as a believer how you receive it. Please reflect or deflect it to God. Oh, glory and honor must go to God. We must learn how to deflect. I don't think David, I don't think David was standing there and was saying, hey, yeah, yeah, David has killed and then he was dancing with the woman. He wasn't doing that. He was a humble man. God bless you. You have been listening to Voice of Hope. To support our ministry, text GIVE to 240-493-8490. God bless you for giving. To learn more about our ministry, visit www.theunitedchristianchurch.org. May God's blessings always be with you.